a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So here we have the the promise of the virgin birth already. And and now it says that he, this promised seed, shall bruise you, the serpent on the head. So this, and you will bruise him on the heel. So uh, this is talking about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. So this is the first gospel. What in the world? The Lord's Supper is to help rediscover your innate goodness? Holy smokes. That's like saying that glasses are to make sure you can't see. It's like saying your shoes are there to make sure you can't walk. It's like saying it's like saying a boat is there so that you sink to the bottom of the ocean. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. Councilman Darren Layton. Thank you, Mayor. On balance, I think as far as whether we do it on the 6th or the 12th, it matters about as much as my collection of Table Talk Radio points. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. I'm Evan Gigline here with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Good morning, Evan. Hey, uh, you're you well, are good afternoon. Na- you are now official. Uh, official what? Officially a synodical bureaucrat. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. I've been installed. <laughs> I've received the indelible character of the bureaucrat. <laughs> Was there an ontological change at this event? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I'm not feeling real well, though, and I think I might be That's allergic it. to junket. <laughs> no, the the ontological <clears throat> change is just sickness. You're just sick from here on out. <laughs> Here's the great, the best story. I mean, this is not the best story from the. We had a marvelous weekend in St. Louis. Evan was there, uh, and so we had the installation of the newly elected president. But not and because all this I was there. We didn't have right, uh, yeah. <laughs> Evan being there had nothing to do with it being a great weekend. But we had uh, uh, for the board for mission services or the the national mission board and the international mission board uh, were meeting there together for a couple of days and with some other boards and commissions. And one of the guys I saw uh, now here's the great story. I I don't know. We should send this to uh, Jeff Schwartz, the producer of Issues Etc. Was there also, and he's sitting at the table and they and they and they gave us this little kind of coffee mug. I think it came from the hotel just as a gift, kind of thank you sort of thing. And Jeff looked at it and he said, "He said I'm not taking it." I said, "What? I'm not taking it. I don't want to be influenced in any sort of way. I'm not taking the coffee mug at all. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not going to sell out." So he refused to take the coffee mug. So we're sitting there, and I looked at him and I said, "Well, can I have it?" <laughs> <laughs> Good thing too, because I lost one, so I still have one. <laughs> he didn't want to take any bribes from from the Senate, huh? <laughs> yeah, Jeff didn't, not me. Okay. All right. Oh, well, boy. in today's program, we're going to start doing off buzzwords and also have a text message LPG for you. And then a new game we're going to be doing for a little while, uh, this TI question. TI stands for a theological interview. Uh, every uh, fourth-year seminarian has to go through a theological interview before he can be uh, certified to receive a call in our uh, synod, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And so... Uh, since I am a fourth-year seminarian, we thought we'd just bring this to you, our listeners, and uh, and do that here on the air. <laughs> yeah, and then, it's a little, re- it's a, it's kind of a preview for you, you know. Oh it's, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a disaster! Um, and then we're gonna be responding to our listeners. A couple good. Uh, oh, messages. oh, that reminds me of the other best moment of the weekend. Oh, do tell. <laughs> we ha- oh wait, wait. When okay. we saw, uh, oh, when, I know you're. <laughs> 
when we met uh when we met one of our listeners ashley who's uh their first year deaconess student there in uh st louis and she said you know my favorite thing about listening to the show is that when your guys are playing games and and uh, and Evan misses a question to, and I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> now see, I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't hear it the same way. I heard my favorite part of the show is I don't. I mean that that's that's all it was. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. <laughs> oh, I usually have that effect oh, on deaconess students. <laughs> Deaconarians. <laughs> Right. All right, then after we respond to our listeners, we are playing Ten Commandments in the News. So, uh, a solid lineup for this edition of Table Talk Radio. It's time for Buzzwords. Buzzwords is where we give each other a a theological word, and uh, we have to work it into the conversation. Uh, I have a Latin buzz phrase for you, and that is is factio vicaria, uh, or in the English, uh, uh, vicarious uh, satisfaction. Um, that uh, th- this is speaking of, of our Lord's death, that it was a uh, that he, he satisfied the the punishment required for sin uh, in our place. That's the vicarious part that that uh, that Jesus uh, took the punishment from the the wrath from God the Father, which uh, he did not deserve because he he lived a, a perfect and holy life. But we deserve the entire wrath of God. But it is not us who who suffered and died on the cross, but rather uh, Christ our Lord. All right. And my my buzzword for you. No, so that's, is that, wait, I want to get you straight. Is it factio, the fact of the vicarious? Or what's the first word again? That is factio vicaria. Factio, okay. Is that, is so that what that I said? The, yeah, yeah, that's what you said. Okay. F-A-C-T, okay. Um. My theo- my phrase for you is the theology of glory. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. I can't believe we haven't used this one yet. Yeah. But uh, Luther, when he's uh, this is a kind of great little story. Luther wrote the you know 95 theses in 1517 and caused a huge ruckus, what we now call the Reformation. And then uh, uh, people want to hear more about him, so he wrote an explanation of the 95 theses. But then the the Augustinians in um in Heidelberg, which is down there, kind of south of Frankfurt, it's uh, quite, kind of on the other side of Germany. They say, hey, uh, 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 Brother Monk Luther, would you come and talk to us, Augustinians over on this side, about what you've been talking about? And, and so he writes what's called the Heidelberg Theses uh, in 1518, a year after the 95 Theses. Now, you would think that these Heidelberg Theses would have something to do with indulgences, which is what Luther's going on about in the 95 Theses, but he doesn't. He's starting to get really close to the distinction between law and gospel. Uh, but what he calls it in, in the Heidelberg Theses is there, he, he distinguishes between the theology of the cross and the theology of glory. <clears throat> the theology of the cross sees God's working in the suffering and death of Jesus. The theology of glory is always looking for exaltation, for ease, and things like this. Uh, now, we, we try to apply it today and say you know, that if someone is a theologian of glory, uh, maybe these health and wealth guys, you know, if you believe enough, you have all, uh, you have all this stuff. That would be a theology of glory, um, and all this sort of thing. Where, where when we deny that Jesus, uh, that the gifts of Jesus come to us apart from His suffering and death on the cross. Any, any really anything that denies that is going to be a theology of glory. Right. And, well, even our uh, maybe the the chief of theologians of glory uh, are our own sinful atoms because we are always looking. Uh, to God's favor by the things that we do or our situation. We look at the situation around us and say, well, things are going pretty good, so God must be in favor of me. 
uh, that that is the theology of glory right there also. Yes. Okay. Uh, so w- before we do our TI question, uh, a quick uh, LPG text message LPG. Uh, if you want to sign up for our text message alerts, just text the word table talk altogether one word uh, to the number six nine three zero two. And the te- uh, LPG text message LPG is a, a Bible B game. And uh, the first correct response wins, so we'll see what we get. But it is the verse, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Uh, hey, that's a theology of the cross verse there. There it is. Uh, so I'm sending that out right now. And uh, we're, we're going to hear Pastor Wolfmuller's uh, phone go off here pretty soon because he forgot to turn yeah, it off. Yeah, that's right. I'm holding up to the microphone. Hey, did you hear it? There it is. <laughs> Ding. All right. <laughs> All right. Let, let's have a Where TI question verse? here in uh, <clears throat> the next two minutes here. Hold on. I'm uh, I'm typing in my text oh, message here. <laughs> uh, hold on. How do I do this? Uh, I'm going to have to do this during the break. I bet someone else is going to win now. i got to do this show. It's going to mess up the game. Yeah. On, on our, on our right. website, tabletalkradio.org, wanted co-hosts who can talk and text at the same time. <laughs> All right. Here's the TI question. I'm going to give it to you and then and then tune you out while I tr- answer this uh, question. <laughs> okay. What, ready? What is the material principle of the Old Testament, and how do you prove it from the scriptures? Ah, Okay. Um, so starting off with these terms, uh, material principle and formal principle, uh, the formal principle is where we get our theology. So for us, it's like the Bible. The material principle is uh, the, the heart and center of, of that theology. So here uh, we uh, confess that the, uh, the, the material... Are you pr- nervous like the, you're going to be in your TI? <laughs> Are you kind of sweating? I'm sweating there? bullets. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> See, <laughs> this is why we do it. If I do it on the radio, I'll be nervous when I have to do it before two professors. <laughs> I'll just, yeah, because you're doing it before two listeners I'll, now. I'll have to. I'll, yeah, <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'll just bring my microphone to the TI and not worry about it. <laughs> Tune them out. <laughs> okay, so the the material principle of the Old Testament is uh, the 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 crucifixion of our Lord Jesus, the 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 atonement made by God uh, uh, by Jesus. And so, um, and th- this, I mean, this is this is the, the message of all of Scripture, even in the Old Testament. We don't teach that 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 God kind of changed his his plan uh, when Jesus came uh, or anything like that. But 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 Jesus, the, the crucifixion of Jesus was a fulfillment of of all the Old Testament prophecies. That the the that Jesus and his crucifixion stands at the center of all of Scripture, the Old Testament included. Um, now the uh, where, where do we go about this Bible? I think uh, the best place to go to this is actually in the New Testament, uh, because the New Testament, um, uh, we, we translate the Bible, we uh, understand the Bible, the Old Testament, in light of the New. And and here Jesus is standing, talking to the, to the Pharisees, and he says, You search the Scriptures, thinking in them you have eternal life, but it's them that testify of me. Uh, and and uh, that, that'd, be, that'd be one verse. Also, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And uh, we see this, uh, this whole, whole uh, prophecy of Jesus being fulfilled uh, in the New Testament. How was that? Very good. Hey, very good. Very good. Okay. Well, I passed then. I'm, I'm now ready to move on to the real TI. We'll continue doing this. Don't go away. We're playing Table Talk Radio's. Uh, well, let's find Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend of Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. Table Talk Radio. 
the games are just an excuse. If you're looking for a getaway to be immersed in Lutheran theology, consider the Good Shepherd Institute at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Seeing with all the saints in glory, the theology of the Christian's death in rite and song. During the Good Shepherd Institute, not only will you engage in great theological topics from speakers like Pastor William Swirla, Dr. Paul Grimm, Professor John Pless, and Dr. Arthur Just, but you will also be immersed in the richness of Lutheran heritage and song. You'll go to choral vespers, hymn festivals, piano recitals, featuring the seminary cantori, the seminary scola cantorum, and also a children's choir from Hope Lutheran Church in St. Louis. Enjoy also a great social atmosphere with fellow Lutherans during the banquets and dinners. Sing with all the saints in glory, the theology of the Christian's death in rite and song. It all takes place on the campus of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, November the 7th through 9th, with an additional Advent preaching seminar on the 9th and 10th for pastors. To get more information about this year's Good Shepherd Institute, go to their website, goodshepherdinstitute.org, or call 260-452-2224. That's goodshepherdinstitute.org, or 260-452-2224. But she heard three rings and then, if it's Friday night, I... Ball game and first thing Saturday. If it don't rain, I'm headed out to the lake and I'll be gone all weekend long. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are responding to our listeners this segment of the program. Oh, I get it. I and get if the you, theme there. <laughs> if you want to give us a call, the number is 1 800 385 SOLA. That's 1 800 385 7652. Uh, and you can leave a message for us, and we'll respond to it. Uh, the first one we hear uh, have is a bumper sticker. We like to play bumper sticker theology here on Table Talk Radio, and so our listeners will uh, call them in as they see them on the road. Uh, they just kind of save that number, 1-800-385-SOLA, in their phone. SOLA. And then uh, well, they have to put in the actual numbers, you know, 7652, into their phone, and they just have That's it there. SOLA. They have it right there, and when they see a bumper sticker, it's like the... It's like uh, you know those those signs you see on the interstate called you know nine one one for emergency. Um, that's Call Table Talk Radio for bad bumper shoes. <laughs> well, here is the first one. Hey guys, it's Jeff from Houston. Got a couple uh, on this car in front of me. A couple bumper stickers. Prayer, the believer's secret weapon. And then right next to that, it's not a religion; it's a relationship. Yes. Yes, that's fun with that one. Thanks. <laughs> Hey, don't we have a bump on our radio that says, it's not a religion, it's a radio show? We no, did. it's not a radio show, it's a relationship? Right. right. Is that, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I, that little piece of wit is worth it. That's <laughs> it. Okay, so uh, here we have uh, prayer <laughs> is a believer's secret weapon. What do you think of that? I don't know quite what to think of it. I mean, I, I do like to put these things in context, you know. Uh, so there's two ways to contextualize, the, three ways to contextualize a bumper sticker. Number one, 
the other sister bumper stickers, you know, the bumper sticker <laughs> fellowship. So you bounce the bumper stickers off of each other. The second con- uh, uh, piece of context for a bumper sticker is the type of car that it's on. <clears throat> and the third piece of context is the way that the person driving is driving. See? So those are your, that's your context. Now, we're, so we're kind of shooting in the dark here. We don't, while we don't have the, t- the make and model of the car nor the driving ability, we do have a sister bumper sticker, the religion... Uh, it's not a religion, it's a relationship, which is the, just kind of the, the pietistic evangelical cliche. I mean, that people just love that sort of thing. The problem is, if you, you could say this, you say, hey, could you find the word relationship in the Bible? Um, mm, no. And then you find the word religion in the Bible. And you, and you can. You can. I mean, uh, uh, is it James, religion that's pure and holy before God? Oh, is to there care it is. for orphan widows in distress <laughs> and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. So, I mean, the word religion is biblical word. So see, Now, I mean, what they're trying to say is, look, all this formalism, you know, uh, this kind of uh, ritualistic, traditional stuff doesn't... Uh, uh, it, it doesn't toot my horn. I need uh, something more uh, personal and intimate and mystical. Uh, so you could say, uh, I mean, what is it's not a religion, it's a relationship really means um, it's not formal and stuffy. It's all gushy and mooey, <laughs> you know, gushy and gooey. That's right. Uh, which is just, I mean, kind of great against me. But in a sense, I mean, the Lord does tell us. So this is the maybe the closest you can get to this. But it, I mean, it, but this is marvelous gospel. He says, I, I do not call you slaves, but friends, because the slaves don't know what the master is doing, but the friends do. So the Lord has he, the Lord is um, has in his incarnation and in his satisfactio vicaria, in his vicarious satisfaction, he has drawn near to us uh, to and, and in a very kind of. In, in a very intimate way, he is our. He calls himself our brother and our friend. So that's true. But um, oh, yeah, here's the other thing that the, it's not a religion; it's a relationship. Does is it? It's trying to undo the sense of of I think of holiness that the church has always tried to um, cultivate. So when you go into into an into a church that has any sort of ancient worship, ancient liturgy, there is a sense of reverence, maybe of distance, but but of reverence and of holiness and the fact that look the the god into whom into whom present we come now is a uh is a consuming fire. He is angry at sin, etc. And uh and and um the, the kind of pietistic mystic wants to undo that. So you know, you get your preachers in the blue jeans and the more holes they have, you know, the better and and it's really casual and and really laid back and this sort of thing so that hey, God is nothing to be afraid of. Problem is that's a lie. I mean, God Jesus says, "Don't fear him who can destroy your body, but him who can destroy both body and soul in hell." And that's none other than than himself and the Father and the Holy Spirit. That we, the first commandment, you shall have no other God, is that we would fear and love and trust in God above all things. And you can't read the Old Testament without reading this fear of God. So this idea that we're just going to kind of casually walk up and, you know, and give Jesus a high five or, I mean, even cooler now, you you, give Jesus a little fist pump, you know, blow it up. (laughs) That's bad. All right, 400 points on your your buzzword. but uh, oh, I, and I didn't even answer the question because <laughs> I started talking about this other bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah. Because we didn't talk about the prayers of secret weapon thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe I just don't know what to make of it. I mean, it's true. Prayer is secret. Jesus says pray in your closet, you know. So uh, <laughs> he says you should pray in secret. So maybe that's a secret weapon business. And Paul does. You know, when Paul uh, lists the uh, elements of the armor of God, 
you know, in fact, I kind of like this bumper sticker now, uh, now that I think about it a little more. When Paul goes through the armor of God, he says, put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the word, shoes of the readiness to spread the gospel of peace. And then he says, and pray at all times. Pray for us that a door would be open, etc. So that prayer is understood to be a military, I mean, an aggressive sort of thing. It's like when... When Luther takes up the thy will be done, we pray in this petition that the will of the world and the, our flesh and the devil would come to nothing, would be destroyed and hindered. I mean, prayer is an aggressive sort of thing because when we pray to God, we're praying against the devil and the flesh and, and the world. Uh, so so I do think it's right that we <clears throat> we would understand. In fact, now I think these bumper stickers contradict each other because... because uh, when we to understand prayer in in kind of militaristic terms is totally different than understanding them in relational terms. You know, I mean, when you go to the evangelical churches, when they teach you to pray, it's like uh, they say, you know, relationships have to have conversation. How can a boyfriend and a girlfriend ever grow to know and love one another if they never talk on the phone all the time? You know, that's kind of how they talk about prayer. So you're talking to God just to cultivate a relationship. Well, no, this understands that there's something different going on. We're bringing petitions, that is, official requests before the throne of God, and we're asking God to grant them for the fact of his son's death. And and to do, come and to bring his kingdom against the kingdom of the devil, to bring his will against the will of the devil, to bring his name against the name of the devil, to bring his forgiveness in spite of my sin. So that's really kind of an, a prayer is an aggressive act. It's not this kind of peaceful, ho-hum sort of, hasn't nice, let's go in the garden where there's butterflies and tulips and, and pray. No, prayer is, I mean, is, uh, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Aggressive? You said that already. <laughs> uh, well, let me think of another word. I mean, you, you don't. You get the you get, you get the idea here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, that I I do think that these two are kind of at odds with each other. Now that you mention it, um, took me a while to get there. But uh, I wonder then what the evangelical were assuming because of the relationship bumper sticker had in mind when he or she saw this. Uh, prayer is a secret weapon bumper sticker. Oh, I pro- I don't know. Maybe it's something like, oh, I really like prayer. You know. Uh, so. Are you trying to tell me they didn't analyze it? Luther's small catechism when she purchased this? this I would sticker? I would be willing to bet that more thought went into these two bumper stickers just now on our little radio show. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> than went into them before they were purchased. I'm well, just guessing. Well, that's the point of this show. So. Oh yeah. So, to think about things that no one else thinks it wants to think about. Yes. And now because you thought of this and you like that bumper sticker, then I will actually purchase this bumper sticker and put it on your car for you. So if you're driving around uh, Aurora, Colorado, and you see this bumper sticker, it, you might very well behind pa- be behind Pastor Wolfmuller. I know, but isn't this weird? Prayer is a secret weapon, but if it's so then maybe you shouldn't tell anyone about it. <laughs> That's true. You're advertising on the back of your car. <laughs> hey, here's my secret weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. <laughs> so the fact of the bumper sticker, the formal principle of the bumper sticker undoes the material principle. Uh, it's kind of like that. I just saw this movie uh, a couple weeks ago, Night at the Museum 2. Have you seen that movie? I think I fell asleep watching it on an airplane <laughs> ride one time. Where uh, they're they're getting, I don't I don't remember who the characters are now, but uh, the, they're getting ready for battle, and he says, all right, I'll yell battle, and then we'll get them. And he goes, but if we yell battle, then they'll know we're coming. Right, so we yell, we're not coming to battle, and then we'll get them. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, that's the bumper stickers then. Uh, I have another one, maybe start a response on this side of the break. Uh, a message that we received when we were playing last week, Are You Smarter Than a Vicar? And the question that what you... What was the answer to that? Was was Were we smarter than a returning vicar? No, you weren't. We, I think the, vis- the, the listeners should be the judges of that. <laughs> I, I don't want to pull the audience on that one. Um, actually, we're not going to have time to, uh, to play this, so I'll, oh. we'll, we'll talk about it, and then we'll play it on the other side. Okay. Um, but uh, but you, you asked me the question, how do we address the situation when someone asks, why isn't uh, Aunt Betty saved? And the answer I more or less gave, because this is the only answer that we're given in Scripture, is because uh, of of Betty's sin. So the only answer that we have of, of why we have unbelief is because of our own sin. And the only answer we're given in Scripture because of our salvation is because God's work on the cross. And so now this this listener will get after this break is going to bring a new dynamic then uh, to, to this question, and it'll, we'll deal with it here on Table Talk Radio. If you have a question for us, send it to questions at tabletalkradio.org or give us a call 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-7652. We'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Theologians for the price of none. Table Talk Radio will be right back. It's the Ten Commandment, but ain't gonna dance until I die. Ten Commandment, but you can do it, so can I. If you follow it through, you'll be amazed what you can do. So get your food on with this tonight. We'll do the Ten Commandment. Just after this, we're going to be playing Ten Commandments in the news. Ten, but what first, in the world is a Ten Commandment boogie? <laughs> I'll send you the video so you can you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what uh, does this "You shall not kill" jive look like? <laughs> uh, uh, the the beginning of that song that they just played was um, uh, "You can do it, so can I." So I hope they're talking about the boogie and not the Ten Commandments. Um, just an observation. Oh. Right, that's right. The Ten Commandment boogie does not always kill. <laughs> right. Although I, maybe it will. I have to watch a video. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're responding to our listeners. We have one more to do. Uh, responding to our show last week on uh, Are You Smarter Than a Returning Vicar? And here's the message. Okay, guys. Um, I just got finished listening to your show, and you were playing Are You Smarter Than a Returning Vicar? Um, the question that I wanted to comment on is uh, uh, why isn't Aunt Betty saved? And I guess if I were in that position and I were asking that question, um, I might ask it a little bit differently and, and ask you guys, in light of the fact that um, you preach, you teach that God is all-powerful and he desires all people to be saved, in that case, why isn't Aunt Betty saved? Uh, my name's Ryan, so uh, give me a shout back if you want, or uh, just respond on the. Thanks, bye. All right, thank you, uh, Ryan. Uh, all right. Uh, th- 
This is like TI questions part two. <laughs> All right. Apparently, you did not you did not uh, answer the question <laughs> and to satisfy our uh, our listener. Well, okay. Well, and very very well because uh, sometimes we don't. Uh, have all the answers to satisfy listeners, but um, I, I maybe want to start with the approach that this listener this listener does. And thank you then uh, for calling our our, uh, our hotline here. Um, uh, but but when you start talking about why isn't Aunt Betty saved, but then you start with the presupposition that that God is all powerful, which is true, but you're talking about essentially a uh, a gospel question of salvation, but using a a law a law presupposition, so that the that the, the the ultimate raw power of God is ultimately law, but it's in his his weakness. You know, God isn't flexing his arms when he's dying on the cross for our salvation. So when we talk to Betty, uh, and, and we ask why isn't why isn't Betty saved, we can approach this with a law gospel question. Uh, and maybe we, we want to push this with, with the gospel. What would the gospel say to the question, why isn't Betty saved? And the gospel answer to that is, Christ has died for Aunt Betty, and her sins are atoned for. And uh, and that is the message of salvation. Now, now I'm going to let you pick up the pieces then, Pastor Wolf, and carry out the rest of this. Well, I mean, I think you, you've done well. I mean, this is a good setup, because... Um, while God is all-powerful, he does not use his all-powerfulness to save us. I mean, that's what you said. He, to save us, he uses weakness. He, uh, the, uh, it's true that the weakness of God is, <clears throat> is stronger than the strength of men, and the foolishness of God is wiser than men's wisdom. That's what Paul says. Uh, but still, it is weakness. The cross is the weakness of God. So while we would expect him to use his all-power, he uses his all-weak uh, to save. Now, what that means is that when, um, when the Lord when the Lord comes to us with His gift of salvation, He comes in humility. So, uh, so that our flesh can, which is stunning to us, it can reject the gospel. In fact, that's all it can do, and it does do that. Um, so now we, I mean, we get to the the the, the question of conversion. How does the Lord work? Uh, conversion well through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God uh, the Holy Spirit affects the conversion of man makes man from unwilling to willing makes man from uh, um, an enemy of God to through the forgiveness of sins to to, ha- to be a faithful friend of God etc why doesn't everyone have that conversion when the Lord's Word uh, comes and weakness to them we don't know the answer to that we know the Lord desires it all for all to be saved and we know that not all are saved uh, and we know that it doesn't have anything to do with us, but we can't get any further than that. I mean, that's where the kind of the question ends. But perhaps it is of some help to simply know that the Lord <coughs> uh, uh, saves us not according to His strength, but according to His weakness. Right. Okay. Um, very good. So, uh, I mean, really, this you know this question: why some why some are saved and why not why others are not is called the crux theologorum, the cross of the theologian, because it's a, I mean, because we can't answer the question. I mean, we have these three things co- coming together: God desires all people to be saved; the work of salvation is the work of God alone, and not all people are saved. Those three things are taught so clearly in the scriptures that uh, that so the temptation when we come up to them is to it's to say one of them is not true. Well, go the Calvinist route and say God doesn't want everyone to be saved. You know, you have this kind of a double predestination or limited atonement or whatever. 
Uh, you can go the Arminian route and say that salvation has something to do with man, man's will, or whatever. Um, or you can go the universalist route and say, well, everyone's saved. But all three of these things are wrong. I mean, it's trying to undo one of these three things that we know clearly from the scriptures. We know we know we know them all from the scriptures, and they're and they're taught in clarity there. And and so we just have to say, look, I can't sort this thing out. I just know that these things are true. Right. Uh, so we we do appreciate the call. In fact, that's what we want. If uh, we didn't speak with enough clarity about something, or if. Uh, if you disagree, or even if you agree and have a further point, we do encourage you to call our line, uh, 1-800-385-SOLA. All right, time for Ten Commandments in the news. This is the game where uh, we, we read or, or listen to a news story and determine which of the Ten Commandments are being dealt with in this uh, news story. Um, and then uh, also we have this added thing, uh, the casual apologetics conversation game, uh, where, we, where we ask a question, how can... Tech-ga. Right. Uh, where we ask the question... Uh, how is it that we would uh, bring this story to a point where we could uh, proclaim the gospel to those around us? So, right. um, I have a story for you, uh, Pastor. This maybe might not be as interesting for the Ten Commandments question, but I think for the CACA question, uh, maybe a little bit more. Uh, but th- the title of this, this article is Euthanasia, a Difficult Term to Deal With. I'm going to just read this through real quick. Thinking about euthanasia only makes the labyrinth become even more complex since at a certain point one does feel that life has become rough to deal with and it becomes too tough to endure the harsh moments of life. Only when one faces the double trouble is when one understands the depth of it. The question has been raised once more in Canada due to the Quebec Dying with Dignity Special Special Commission, which is an investigation into the problem relating to euthanasia, which is also recognized as mercy killing for the terminally ill people. Debating on the issue has no good side to it. People who feel that declaring euthanasia as not right is only because they talk of the holiness of the human life and that no one has the right to take it away or decide over taking away the life of a person. But at the same time, those who think that euthanasia is a practical action to take say it because they consider the economic aspects of the actual situation. Anti-euthanasia group speaks of the dignity related to death, which comes naturally, but for the economics, economicist, these talks hardly matter. The debate seems will never end as economicists think the cost of cutting while people against euthanasia advocate it because something degrading to the natural course of death. Whew. <laughs> um, yeah, the, I mean, the, um, that's, there's, that's quite a mouthful. Uh, let's do the Ten Commandments question first. We're talking—I mean, this general theme here is euthanasia, um, which is what is called mercy killing. But I mean, this is—I mean, that's nuts. Uh, to put those two words together is a uh, just wrong. Mercy killing. I mean, there can be mercy living, I suspect, but um, to mercy killing is a—it's uh, just a contradiction to begin with. And so this has to do with the fifth commandment: you shall not kill. Uh, you shall not murder. That we should that we hold uh, life as a gift from God. Now the article got very close to saying that, where it said that some who just are, <clears throat> no matter what, opposed to um, euthanasia, consider life to be holy. Yeah. We we would say that too. To be life to be is given by God, and therefore it cannot be valued. Um, but the economists come in there, and they 
they realize that you know healthcare, treating people who are terminally ill, et cetera, et cetera, has this great cost. And then they start to do a kind of a cost-benefit analysis on the whole deal, you know? Mm-hmm. And they determine that this person is only going to be a drain on society. They're only going to be a consumer, never a producer. There's never going to be any value to the to their neighbor gained from them. And therefore, their life has less value than the life of someone else. And therefore, it becomes of a benefit to in their life. This is simply... a it's a materialistic way of, I mean, materialistic in the in the formal sense of the word, uh, materialistic way of thinking, which is just which is just wrong, uh, not only from the Bible but just from common sense, uh, that that life has more value than the sum of uh, the amount that you'll produce. Life has more value than than the value of your flesh and and the chemicals that make up your body and all of this sort of thing. Uh, life is an intrinsically valuable thing, and if we, as a, I mean, if the world ceases to have that value, then we're we're in real trouble. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, we have we're coming up on a break, so uh, we'll take this break and continue this. Uh, maybe address the CACA section of this uh, right after this. Don't go away. And also, we're going to announce our our winner of our uh, uh, listener participation game through text message. So don't want to miss that. Stay tuned to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. This is Chris Rosebro, host of Fighting for the Faith, and I want everyone to know that Table Talk Radio is my favorite Lutheran theological game show recorded in Evan Gagline's dorm cell. I am not dead yet. I can dance and I can sing. I am not dead yet. I can do the Highland thing. I am not dead yet. No need to go to bed. No need to call the doctor, because I'm not yet dead. He is not yet dead. That's what the teacher said. Welcome back to Table Soccer Radio. Ten Commandments in the News is the game, and Pastor Wolf Miller has uh, currently identified the fifth commandment in the story on euthanasia. And now, uh, before him, is the question of the casual apologetics conversation game. It's, I mean, this is a tricky sort of thing. The way that we play casual apologetics is, is so you're having a conversation with someone who you are going to assume is, a, is a not a believer. And how do you, how do we speak to them in, with this according to law and gospel? Um, and perhaps this is, and, 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 and you gotta, now when you're having this conversation, you're going to have to be a little bit adept because there's going to be two different perspectives. You're going to have your, you're going to have your materialistic perspective, which is, and that, this person is going to be fairly, I mean, kind of heartless, et cetera. They're going to talk about the general good and they're going to say, look, this hurts everyone to keep one person alive whose life is not going to amount to anyone, to, to anything, not going to help anyone, etc. Uh, so that your life, once you move beyond being able to serve your neighbor, your life is ending. Um, there, your life should be ended. There's no purpose in it. And that's so that's your materialist. On the other hand, you might have someone who's spiritual, uh, in, maybe not a Christian, but spiritual, and they're going to be able to grasp onto the intangibles, that there is some sort of value in life, even though they can't perhaps... Um, they they couldn't perhaps define it, but but this is perhaps then the clarifying question to bring to to both is what what determines the value of life, 
what determines the value of life? Um, for the materialist, it, it's, it could be the, the ability to produce. For the spiritual person, they might have some sort of nebulous idea that, that human life is just so, we just have this sense that life is so important that we shouldn't mess with it, that it's something holy. Um, we as Christians know, though, precisely where life has its value. It has, we have value for two reasons. First, because we are created by God. So that even after the fall, remember when um, God is getting all over Lamech's case for murdering people, and he says, you shall not kill because human beings were created in the image of God. So that because we bear still somehow the remnants of the fact that we were created in the image of God, that means we, uh, our life is protected. But then, and perhaps even more importantly, and this is where the, the gospel comes in, is that we have value because we have been redeemed by Jesus. The value of something can be determined by what a person is willing to pay for it. You know, so my when I I used to collect baseball cards when I was a kid. Now I never I I uh, I never had any really good ones, but my brothers and I would always look through the Beckett magazine. Do you know what I'm talking? You know the oh, yeah. Beckett Trader magazine, and you'd see and you'd, <clears throat> and you'd see oh I, my my card here is worth 25 bucks, and my dad would always come and say, it's only worth what someone will pay for it. <laughs> in other words, don't get your hopes up. You know, the magazine might say it's 25 bucks, but it's not worth 25 bucks unless you find some chump who's willing to pay you $25 for a piece of cardboard with a guy's picture on it. You, you know? still have that? It might be worth 25 bucks more now. <laughs> no, I they, they do all my cards are in my my parents' garage. Every time I go to visit, my dad says, "When are you going to get those baseball cards out of here?" <laughs> in a kind way, of course. Good. Yeah, thanks for listening, Dad. <laughs> but but this is the point: is something has value for, for for what someone's willing to pay for it. Now we look at our ourselves as individuals. Look at you, Evan, or me, Brian, and, and say, what is my value? Well, uh, it, just standing on my own, I really I'm not only I'm, do I have really no value, but I'm of I'm an enemy of God. But when I see that Jesus was willing to pay with His blood for me, He was willing to pay the price of my salvation with his suffering and death. He, he was willing to give up even his fellowship with, with God and, and to suffer hell and, and to be devoured by the devil for me. Then now I realize that my life has value because of what Christ spent, not gold or silver, but his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. And, and so that I am valuable to God. I'm as valuable to the, to the Son as, his, as the love of the Father is to him which is really quite incredible. And when we realize that we have that value, not because of what we can produce according to the law or according to our own efforts, but because of what the Lord has done for us, then we realize that, that, that each and every person that, that lives and walks and breathes is, a, is precious in the sight of God. This totally changes the way we do ethics. Right. Boy, that, that's a good response. I'm going to give you 500 points for that. I forgot we were playing a game. I forgot we were right. recording a show. Before you give me a uh, entry for taking oh, moments in oh, the yeah. news, I want to announce that uh, uh, out of our our many many responses for our LPG, uh, we did have a correct answer. The LPG was uh, Bible B. Where does this come from? My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Um, and that is correctly from Pastor. Uh, Second Corinthians. That's right. In fact, I got your text message here. <laughs> I can't believe I had to have to ask you the TI question so that I didn't get in there first. 
Tell them what they won, Evan. Do you win something for winning this? Uh, yes. Uh, mystery prize, which will be uh, determined. Uh, <laughs> see, I, I couldn't determine it before because if you won, I wanted to make sure it was something really bad. But if it's <laughs> one of our listeners won, uh, I want to make sure it was really good. So, uh, but nice. we, did, we did have a winner uh, from a, a Texas area code. So thank you to our uh, Texas listener. And uh, we'll be contacting you after this show. Do we have a Texas caller also when we were playing? Oh, that's from maybe, maybe, Houston, it's Texas? The, maybe it's the same guy. We had a Texas caller and a Texas texter. <laughs> I think we're up to 17 listeners now. How so, many, and, and how many of them are in Texas? Uh, a two, apparently. <laughs> or maybe if it's the same guy, we might have to re- revise our numbers. And it's got to be 16. the same guy. It's got to be the same guy. <laughs> you think we have more than one listener in Texas? I don't know. Texas is pretty big. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you have any family that listens? That, that oh, might be. That uh, might be I got. I have family in Texas, but I don't think they listen. Oh, okay. I wouldn't listen to you either if I was related to you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm ready for for uh, a Tinkerman's in the news. All right. Here we go. All right. Here here's the headline: American hiker released from Iranian prison. State media reports. Tehran, Iran. Sarah Shroud, one of the three American hikers detained for more than a year in Iran, has been released from prison. State-run press TV reported Tuesday. Attorney Masoud Shafi'i. Who is, rep- who, rep- who is representing the hikers, had said everything was in place for Shad's release once the bail of 500000 wow, was submitted to the Iranian judiciary. Shroud, 32, Shane Bauer, 28, and Josh Fatal, 28, were detained July 31, 2009, after they allegedly strayed across an unmarked border into Iran while hiking in Iraq's uh, Kurdistan region. Tehran has accused the three hikers of spying. A judge decided to allow Shroud to be released in bail because of her medical condition. The official Islamic Republic news agency reported Sunday, citing Tehran Prosecutor General Abbas Jafari Dolabtabadi. Let's see, who is that again? (laughs) (laughs) Abbas Jafari Dolabtabadi. Oh, okay. Uh, See, I thought you were talking about someone else. <laughs> uh, okay, is that Here, it? you want some more? Iranian officials announced Thursday Shroud would be released on Saturday at the end of the Islamic holy month of Ramadan. State media announced Friday that the release had been called off because legal procedures had not been resolved, etc. Okay, <clears throat> um, this is a tough one for Tikkunos in the news, I think. Uh, however, I think uh, we can refer then to the fifth commandment um, in in holding someone captive who has done nothing wrong. I mean. Can you imagine these these poor guys? They're they're hiking around and cra- cross a border that they that was unmarked, had no idea, and all of a sudden they're they're deemed spies by uh, Iran's government. Good grief! I I have trouble with this conversation that had to have taken place at some point. Hey, you guys want to go hiking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go on the walk on the border between Iraq and Iran. They, like, have they heard of Colorado? <laughs> <laughs> They're going. Uh, yeah, I'll go hiking, but I don't want to be out too late. So let's get let's get back early. <laughs> That's kind of weird. One you know? year later. <laughs> right. um, well, it's good they're getting out. You know, that's a good thing. But, but I think would you agree that's a fifth commandment issue? That uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, and then the only other commandment I can pick out of here is is at the end you're talking about uh, Islam's Ramadan, and so that just involves another religion being the first commandment, and. Uh, you know, even the second commandment uh, that that they're misusing God's name. Um, so that's all I got. One, two, and five for this. What do you think? You're missing a big one. You're missing a uh, now. Of course, any, any governments are involved and wars involved. Oh, fourth, fourth commandment. Fourth sure. commandment. But yeah, there's yeah. another big one that you're missing here, uh, because the courts are involved, judges and and courts and the legal system. 
And that is instituted in the Eighth Commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Huh, I missed that one. Yeah, so the Eighth Commandment's in stake here, too. So, so we have a, the Eighth Commandment demands first, I mean, remember, you shall not bear false witness. This is, f first of all, talking about courts and the legal system. And then it's talking about our, our more casual relationships with our neighbors, um, where we don't lie, etc., but uh, but it first is establishing um, a system of justice among peoples. So that's here, and so the, the justice is being misused, um, apparently, to hold these hikers against their against their will. So the eighth commandment comes in there. Yep, eighth commandment. All right, very good. Uh, so how would you bring this to bear uh, on law and gospel? <laughs> you know, in the subway, someone holding the paper with this article. Uh, this this is a. Um, Maybe one of these situations where uh, I don't know. What do you think about this, Pastor? Where you, you talk about this, just uh, that the, the, these people are, are, are in prison and they're in bondage, and, and sort of using that as a jumping point to talk about our bondage to sin. Uh, that 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 we too are are, are bound to sin, and, and just as though they could not uh, get out and, and walk freely, so too we cannot. We must be released uh, and 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 made a tone for him. Five seconds. What do you think of that? I think that's right. I'll give you 500 points. 500? Really? All right. Well, you still won. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the hitchhiker's guide to Iraq and Iranian <laughs> mountains. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.